Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. The Limitless podcast was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community that show that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you for joining us again this week. So today we are talking about doing presentations about our blindness uh, at school, maybe other places as well. We're going to find out. Um, as a way to educate people about blindness, about the capabilities of people who are blind, which is a big part of what Blind Beginnings is all about. And with me today are two of our semi-regular co-hosts, Ishita and Jenny. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello. Thank you. Glad to be back. So presenting to your class at school about blindness or visual impairment is something I have never done. I'm just going to admit that right off the bat. I, when I was a teenager, I was very uncomfortable talking about my visual impairment. In fact, I worked very hard to hide it at school. And I don't think most of my classmates knew that I had a visual impairment. And so it's, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite because I definitely recommend to kids today that this is an awesome thing to do. Uh, I think, I think it really, it's better that you talk about it than somebody talks on your behalf about it or that it doesn't get talked about at all. Cause I think people cited folks cited children and youth have a lot of questions and the best person to answer them is you. So I'd love to hear from both of you. Um, well, actually, I guess remind our listeners a little bit about yourselves, but tell us like your thoughts on this topic and have you presented to your classes at school? So I, I'm, I'm, my name is Ishita. I am a fourth year university student right now. Um, and I have a visual condition called coronary dystrophy, which primarily affects my central field of vision. And I've done uh, a handful of presentations in school and outside of school as well, which we can get into. Um, but I would say uh, I agree with Sean that I think that taking ownership of your condition and being able to explain it yourself tends to go a lot better than other people. Because even if it's your parent, your best friend, um, your teacher, someone who knows really well, they can't quite put it in the same way that you can. Um, and they may use words that you're not necessarily comfortable with um, when describing your vision. So I definitely agree that doing it yourself is the best way to go. But having said that, I have had to give presentations out of necessity because um, people were very insistent on asking uh, people around me about my equipment. Um, and it was just the easiest way to stop all that from happening. And we can get a bit into those stories as well. But then as I got a bit more comfortable and older in high school with presentation in general, um, I started just being able to talk to my class and, and you know, my PE class and my um, basketball team and about how my vision works um, and being more comfortable to step up and say, I actually want to be the one presenting and letting everyone know before the questions come in and creating that space for people to ask those questions or voice their concerns um, myself. So it was a bit of a 
first out of necessity, but then getting comfortable with it and then doing it myself as I got older. Awesome. I want to come back to um, something you said, but first we'll hear from Ginny. So Ginny, what about you? Yeah, that was great. Um, definitely agree with a lot of what um, <coughs> Ishta has already said. So as, um, as a reminder to our listeners, I'm Ginny. I have been fully blind since birth and I'm currently in post-secondary. Um, I'm in I've been there for several years years now, and I started presenting to schools in 2015, so uh, pretty soon after I joined our youth leadership program. And when I'm referring to schools, presenting in schools, I'm talking about like middle school, elementary school. Um, those are the schools I typically presented in, um, and I would do like a few a year, um, I really loved it. Um, I feel like um, it definitely I saw like a lot of learning happening, um, especially at those ages. Um, I never unfortunately had a chance to do a high school one. When I was younger, um, like <clears throat> people would pres- like just kind of talk more so um, to the teacher just about me. Or like sometimes they try to like they'd be like, okay, we're doing a presentation for your class. This is what we're doing, and you're going to be involved. But like mm. it was like the forced inclusion sort of aspect. It um, and then I'd be like, no, like this makes me uncomfortable. I don't want them to like. I don't want that, and I don't think that part was either either addressed. And I think like the discomfort came from a lot of the fact that you know like it was kind of being done in a way where it was like kind of amplifying my blindness a little bit too much. Like I kind of like uh, presentations that are a bit more integrated. Um, and then after kind of doing presentations for a few years, like um, I got asked um, like by name a couple of times just within um, the Langley school district um, because I was just doing so many. Uh, and then I, um, like Langley was doing a TEDx event. So that's how I ended up participating in, in that. And um, when I graduated high school and I left university, I still actually did a few, um, but it's not as many as I used to just because I'm not really in the district as much anymore. Um, in terms of university, I think it's quite different. Like, I don't think I would do presentations in classes personally, just because like each semester your classes are changing and you have like three or four classes. And honestly, like you're not with those people for the whole year. Not only that, like it's a little bit more awkward because like university classes specifically have more focus on a subject. Like it would just be out of place and just drawing attention. Okay. So I just want to clarify, Jenny, that you did not do presentations uh, to your classes in elementary school or high school. When you're talking about the presentations you've done, they've been to other schools, like not the class you were attending at the time. Oh, I see. Yes. So in my high school, never did any. Um, in my elementary school, only the ones that were kind of like, you're doing it sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it was mm-hmm. more so let's go to other schools, which was quite interesting mm-hmm. that like my own schools didn't really utilize <laughs> utilize that. Okay. So- I want to talk a little bit about, cause Ishita, you mentioned, um, people asking lots of questions to 
people around you, which was what sort of motivated you to do a presentation. Um, and Jenny, you mentioned kind of people around you deciding there should be a presentation and you should be involved. So yeah, just kind of like, what was it like? Maybe we'll start with you, Ishtha, being that kid that people are talking about and how did you kind of get to a place and how, how did you make that happen that you wanted to speak on your own behalf? Yeah. So it sounds like me and Jenny had very opposite <laughs> experiences, but I think it's good because we get both perspectives where yeah. mine were only in my own school and just talking to the kids that I was interacting with. So I think the first time it happened was in grade five, grade five or six. Um, and I was very, very shy. I didn't like bringing attention to my um, blindness if I could help it because it would just cause a lot of, again, questions. And I didn't have a diagnosis at the time. And I was very bad at describing how I would see because people would just misinterpret what I was saying a lot of the time. And um, most of what I had heard about my own condition was said by doctors who also didn't know what I had. So it was just very convoluted and it just got more confusing when you get a bunch of 13 and 12 year olds involved and trying to understand everything. So um, I think the first time it was when I was playing uh, in PE and a lot of the students were asking the PE teacher why I was kind of not looking straight. And um, I think it was a softball and I had someone telling me when to swing to hit the little ball. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the way I would still participate in PE. Like I would have, um, I would still participate as best as I can. Um, softball being, I think the most one that I had to have the biggest accommodation with. Someone had to stay with me at all times. So I wouldn't, I don't know, accidentally hit myself in the face with the bat and actually try to hit the ball. And someone had to run with me to the bases because I couldn't see where the ball was at any point. Um, and my teacher um, herself, she she had a disability. She was deaf. Um, so I was able to, and I've known her since um, I was like two. So I knew her very well. And she knew my family very well. So um, I personally didn't have any like trouble with her answering the questions on my behalf um just again mostly because I was shy at the time but I think the questions got so much that she just gathered everyone in the class and was like okay you have questions ask her um and it was a bit scary not gonna lie because again I didn't know how to address those questions right off the bat and I didn't know people were even asking questions about me at the time um it was a very much like put everything out there ask her now and everyone got very quiet um so like that was my first memory and what I remember saying was like very basically describing my condition and um, just trying to say, I, I need support. Usually I just need someone to help me run because I can't see very well. Um, and everyone kind of just, you know, dispersed really quickly and no one talked to me after that for a while. Um, so that's when I mean becoming out of necessity where people kept asking my teachers questions about me and I had equipment, um, like a CCTV, like a big magnifier, um, in one of my classes usually my homeroom class, because I would have to pop in and out and use that for worksheets that weren't able to be put onto like a digital copy. So a lot of students that were coming into this teacher's room were seeing this and had no idea what it was. And were asking um, my teacher, what is that? 
<laughs> and I was coming in to her class. I think this is uh, fast forward, I think first year of high school at this point, grade eight, grade nine. And I was walking in to do a science test and the teacher stopped me and said, a lot of these kids are asking about your CCTV. Do you mind talking to them about it? And I'm like, well, I have a test right now. I don't know if this is the best time, but sure. Okay. Uh, so I got in front of the class and um, they were, because my school had a mix of, of elementary and high school in the first couple of years. So they were all in grade five or six and they were very curious about um, what my condition was, what that did, how it worked. So I did a brief demonstration of how it worked and um, why I used it. And at this point, I was a lot better at articulating my condition. So explaining to them um, what I had and how I could see and trying to describe it as best as I could. That experience was a lot more positive, I would say. Yeah, it was also very much sprung on me. But at that point, I was getting more comfortable in um, describing my condition, talking for myself. I was also facilitating a lot of my IEP meetings by myself at that point. So being able to describe stuff to adults, like all my teachers, was good practice on how to be able to like articulate myself with younger people. And um, like, I got a bit more confidence in that. So um, those are I think, the two biggest sprung on me situations that I had. And then Dealing with it the first time, it wasn't very good. I did feel a little bit um, forced and pressured and um, not good. Like I was reflecting like, oh, I could have, I didn't even say much. Like I could have said a lot better. I was very quiet. Like no one probably even heard me. And mm. because I said it, no one wants to talk to me anymore. Like I should have right. just kept quiet. Um, and then afterwards, the kids came because they're a bit younger than me. They all came up to me and were like, that's so cool. Like, can I, can I touch it? Can I, oh, of course I couldn't let them touch it, but I'm like, no problem. If you want to ask, just, just ask me questions. I'm just like you guys, like I'm just here to, to study. And, you know, it was a lot more of a positive reception the second time. Um, both because I think they were also a lot more inquisitive because they were kids, but also I think I was a lot better and be the controlling the presentation myself. So, okay. Yeah. Cause part of me is like, yay teacher for directing the questions to you um yeah and letting you have your own voice but is there could could she have handled it differently like even just giving you a heads up or asking you what do you think about this a lot of kids have questions you know are you comfortable like if she had checked it out first would you have felt differently or if she had given you time to prepare because I'm, I'm just thinking if anyone's listening and you know maybe we have teachers listening that yeah. how to how what is what is the right way? And I guess you could think about that while we hear about Ginny's experience too, because <laughs> I'd love her um, thoughts on this too. So yeah, we'll come back to that. But Ginny, um, you said you were made, people were presenting on your behalf and roping you in. Sounds similar. Yeah. So certain things are similar. And I think like that was part of the reason why I resented it excuse me, at first. So, um, like, I know in my elementary school, my, um, you know, support team was like, yeah, we should do this. And I was like, no, because, like, I um, already had, like, a lot of, like, honestly, kids did not talk to me. Kids did not want to hang out with me. And the fact that they were only interested in my equipment and, like, how things worked really was hard for me. Uh, because that's the only questions they would ever ask. And then, you know, it's the completely opposite, you know, way. Like sometimes that starts friendships, but in my case, that was all they were interested in. And I was like, no. And they're like, well, we're going to, this is such a good thing. And, you know, we did it. And then 
again, like no one really hung out with me after that. Like they, they, they learned about the equipment, but I don't think they ever learned that I was a human and just like them. Mm. So, and I think like that's the big key thing there. Or like um, similar to Ishida, like I'd be using a graphing calculator in math and people would come over and like ask questions and I'd be like, no, I'm not going to answer them. And the teacher would be like, don't be so rude. Like, you know, she's like, what if someone was carrying something that you didn't know much about? And I'm like, well, first of all, like I struggle with math. It's something that's like really, really challenging. And I don't want to answer questions when I'm trying to complete a task or when I'm doing something in my day to day. Like if I did that with everybody on the street, it would take me to forever to get where I'm trying to go. And like, honestly, like sometimes we just need to say no and that's okay too. Or like, can I talk, show you later how it works, right? And I think like it was really, really stressful for me. And I think like sometimes like all of my talents would really get attributed to my blindness. So like in, I know like in grade seven, like we put together a class newspaper and like everyone in the class was like um, adding something they had done you know, within the year and they just, we didn't get to, I didn't, we, I'm saying weeks, there was another blind student in the class, did not get to choose. We were told you use Braille this year. You should write about Louis Braille. And I'm like, mm. but yes, but it's awesome. That's great. But I want to write about like other things, like, you know, other things like kids are writing about. And I think like people just attributed me to my disability and like that, that's it. Like we didn't ha have a choice. Like when I said, can we write about something else? Or like, no, like, I kind of want to do something more, quote, fun. Not that that's not fun, but it just, I get it. Yeah. there's more than mm -hmm. that, right? So it kind of put a damper on things for me for a while in terms of presenting. And then when I got older, then I was more happy to do it. And it was more self-led and uh, so more, sorry? Pe people were like your your whole identity was wrapped up in being the blind kid yeah like, and that's how they treated you and that's what they wanted you to write about so getting up and talking about your blindness would just have magnified that even that. more yeah right but I found that when I did it um of my own accord mm -hmm. and took people that I that weren't in my school it was quite a different experience um because they it wasn't like people I knew if that makes sense, I feel like it's also more intimidating to do it with people that you know and are trying to make friends with. Like not mm -hmm. every other kid is standing in front of the class doing a special presentation <laughs> sort of thing. So I found like when I started doing it outside of that, um, it was fine. Now though, when I do it to people I know, I find it, it's okay and it's easier or, and like we'll get to how I do them now, but I find that it's easier because they're already my friends or they're like, Hey, like how, like they'll just ask more casually. They're like, Hey, how does this work uh, for you? And they're still willing to socialize with me outside of my blindness. Like my blindness isn't everything. Right. Um, and, you know, like I get to choose when it's everything for projects. Not every project I do now is on that. So that's nice. Like there's other parts to my identity as well. Yeah. And so they're seeing you for more than your blindness, but I suspect maybe, or I, maybe I shouldn't assume you might also feel differently about your blindness now than you did as a kid too. So there might be two things kind of at play. I'd there. say like a little bit more confident, but mm -hmm. I think that in terms of like the fact that I can do blindness and talk about other things, 
about myself or like write about other things and my identity just kind of like balances it out mm-hmm. um, for me. So, okay. yeah. Okay. So Ishitha, what, what, mm-hmm. is there something your teacher could have done differently and, and Jenny too, like what, what do you wish had happened in those early years mm-hmm. in terms of presenting or inviting you to speak or not? Yeah. Um, I think in that situation, I think she was just really frustrated because it was hindering the continuation of what we were playing. And it would have been nicer if she maybe pulled me aside after class and say, listen, a lot of kids are asking questions. Do you mind if you talk to them at the beginning of next class a little bit about your eye condition just so they can understand? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have at least prepared me um, a bit or I may have just said no and not done it. I don't know what this is, I would have yeah. done, but yeah. um, at least I would have put the, the in my, like it would have been my decision whether or not I would have done it. But I will say she did redeem herself. <laughs> Um, and I think also, I don't think every teacher does this. I, I've known her for very well. I think that's maybe why she thought it would have been okay. But, um, later on when I, I think in grade, I should say six, seven, maybe the year after, um, what I would do is at this point, because I was beginning, like getting more comfortable with, um, showing people how I see, I had these, um, you know, the goggle simulators, the mm-hmm. one that simulate different eye conditions. I had one for not mine, but a very similar condition and would show my teachers that just so they could under like IEP meetings so, so they can understand this is roughly how I see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became a really good way to start conversations. Um, I asked my O&M instructor if I could keep those a little bit longer and show them around class with supervision because I didn't want anyone to break them. Um, but if I could in specific classes, maybe where a lot of people were asking questions, if I could keep those. So um, I said, I have them. And I I went to the teacher again. I said, because PE is a class where um, it's highly visual and people are going to keep having questions, what we can do is um, use these. If you like, if you know anyone that's asking like questions, just send them to me and I have the glasses. They can just um, use them while I'm describing my, my condition. So um, what we ended up doing was um, apparently people were being not so kind to me and saying stuff about how I wasn't able to perform on a test. Well, um, she overheard it, um, told me to bring the glasses and made everyone in class perform the test with the glasses on. Mm. Um, and she's like, listen, first of all, and as well as giving a lecture on why bullying isn't okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's a very unfortunate thing that I think a lot of people go through, um, in high school in general, especially if you stand out in any way, that people will be unkind and say this stuff to you. I, at that point, because I was getting a lot more secure with myself and my condition, I thought that was a lot better handled. I know some people wouldn't be comfortable with that, but because she knew that I had the glasses and I was, uh, I approached her beforehand saying that this is, if anyone has questions, please just send them to me and we will, we will talk it out. Um, she, she just said, you know what? people sense again kids can be brutal some people won't understand until they physically experience it and um I learned after that they were actually doing it quite a bit behind my back and she just kind of was really frustrated and again she knew me very well it kind of hurt her to see me getting bullied even though I didn't know what was going on um so that was that was a lot because I think that um a lot of people came up to me and um, started actually talking to me about it, saying like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry what I did. Uh, I'm like, it's okay. I didn't really know, but 
do you have any questions now? Is there something you want to talk about? And that actually, I actually had a lot of really nice conversations about people not knowing um, that I was blind or would never consider me blind and opening up how blindness is a spectrum and a lot of those kind of conversations. So um, I definitely think, yes, if the person, if the person with the disability themselves can approach you and, and say, this is what I'm comfortable with, this is what I'm not comfortable with, or you as a teacher going to them and saying, I'm getting a lot of these questions. Do you mind if maybe you can have a support person, your friend, your EA, um, me, if you need me there, anyone, a parent, um, to feel comfortable to talk about it. Um, and like, like Ginny was saying, people roped her into stuff. Like, I, I don't think that's right either because I always think that the person who's experiencing it should have, it's their decision ultimately. Mm-hmm. And I understand the curiosity as well. <laughs> um, we always say like, ask us questions, but then you also got to think when is the time to ask questions? When is it appropriate? To- well, yeah. And that's the thing. If you're doing, if you have decided you want to do a presentation about blindness and you mm-hmm. are welcoming questions, that is the perfect time. But yeah. if you didn't get any say in it, and someone's decided on your behalf and they're telling you, then that's totally different. Um, do you, okay. So blind beginnings offers presentations and you both would be people we would send out now (laughs) to do presentations, (laughs) um, as well as myself and, and several of our youth alumni and youth leaders, but would it, if you had had a blind person come in to present to your class when you were a kid in the class um, who maybe didn't even know you, but, um, or did whatever, but it wasn't about you. Would that have been more comfortable? No, probably not for me. Uh, Just because then I would feel like I'm not like, see, it's, (laughs) there's this balance. Cause then I would feel like I'm sitting here and I'm not involved, and they're talking, and I'm right here, and everyone knows that the reason that they're coming in is because of me, and because Mm -hmm. I'm in the class, so again, like, I would want to feel involved, but I would want it to ultimately be my decision, because even if a blind person in is coming in, it's about me, it affects me, these are relationships I'm fostering um, with the students, Um, and I think, like, if my teachers had you know, maybe asked me more or like also kind of done more of the hum- human side of things. Like I just would have felt more comfortable um, doing the presentations or like talking to them. Um, and mm. I think even now, like when I go in or used to go in um, and there is a blind child, like I want them to feel included. So like, I'll be like, do you want to show this with me? Like, do you want to do it yeah. with me? Because it's, it's just awkward. <laughs> Okay. I think it's interesting. I think it depends on what age I was at. If you ask me, yeah, I, that too. I think when I was younger, um, no, because yeah. everyone would stare at me in class while the presentation's happening yeah. and they'll be like, oh my God, they're just like you. And like, you know, mm. these kids don't really have a filter. But I think when I met with I was in high school, because I had a situation like this where it wasn't a school situation, but it was a bit outside where um, someone with the similar level of vision was presenting and I was so excited and I was like, I can get the chance to talk to this person. Like they're talking about how they're successful and their career is, is like amazing. And I, I was really excited. So I think, um, younger me, no, but older me who was, uh, you know, 
more excited to actually do these things myself. Yes, mm-hmm. it would have been yeah. a lot nicer have someone come into my high school and talk a bit about blindness. And um, I feel like everyone may have been a bit more respectful if it was someone outside <laughs> versus me. Yeah. Um, because I bet the kids have a different idea because they see you every day versus another person. Also, if it's a different level of vision, mm-hmm. um, they may, they may just, I don't know. I feel like when a speaker comes in, they're a bit more respectful and they're more likely to listen. So yeah, I, interesting. I agree too. If I was when I was older, I would have been more open, especially like you said, if they're talking about their life and their career and their success, not mm. just blindness and how they right. operate. Like okay. that is such an important component. It's not just how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do that? Because sometimes the questions like feel more like an interview. Like, mm-hmm. like there are mm-hmm. things that you do in the world beyond that. Okay. Yeah. So here's another idea then, because I'm just trying to solve all the problems of the world, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what if in elementary school, because my son, actually, he's in grade four and they had to do a PowerPoint presentation about themselves, um, to their class, like stand up in front of the class and show slides and talk about themselves. So if everyone had to do a presentation about themselves, you could showcase who you are in all the, you know, the mm-hmm. things you enjoy doing, the things yes. you love, and you could incorporate some things about braille, like yep. braille, blindness, yeah. whatever, yeah. white cane mm-hmm. tools you use if you wanted to, but it would be more of the whole picture. I would say a hundred percent. Yeah. Like, so I know like, we're not really talking about university, but that's why I'm more okay with it now. So like, we'll do projects in class. So like um, in my children's literature class, everyone had to, talk about a different aspect of children's literature so everyone had to pick a topic so then I was more okay picking disability mm-hmm. because also no mm-hmm. one else was covering that or like in my intercultural communications class we all had to pick a culture everyone was picking like um, ethnic cultures I decided to go with disability culture so in mm-hmm. that way it was more of a helping me tool in class as well as everyone was doing the assignment so it kind of doesn't make me feel singled out or like if I'm working with a team, like um, right now um, we're doing um, some research on the floods here that happened in the Fraser Valley and everyone's doing talking about a different aspect of farming. I just happen to be talking about accessible farming. So it's still integrated within the larger picture and I'm more okay with that. Hmm. Yeah, okay. no, totally agree. Um, you asking this question brought me back. I remember in grade thing nine, we did a, a get to know me um, presentation at the beginning of the year. And I didn't talk much about blindness outside of a fun fact that I knew Braille. <laughs> um, and then that was kind of my way of integrating it into it and opening up the floor for questions. But um, in my education class in university, um, I think university, and we can get into a bit more, it gives you a bit more opportunity to do this. Um, and it also depends on the class and the topic, but a uh, similar situation is a get to know me thing at the beginning where each student would have a presentation going and everyone would be going through the class and reading them. Um, since it was just a non-interactive presentation where I wasn't speaking, I just had full-fledged slides about <laughs> blind beginnings and um, my job and me, my, me and my disability, growing up with a disability. And um, what I hope to gain out of the, this class, which um, focused around education and accessible education being a part of it. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think if if it's 
already or you get the chance to incorporate it into a presentation where everyone else is doing I think that would be really great and it's a really cool opportunity to get to that mm-hmm. it sounds like your equipment was was something that kids were really curious about is there other things mm-hmm. that people were asking about let's start in the elementary middle school years like is that the thing that kids wanted to know about or were curious about yeah definitely yeah um my uh vision teacher for sure got labeled as my mom which is very weird because she's mm. um not the same cult race as me <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> interesting to explain um but like I think anyone that you people see with they're like is that your mom no that's not my mom oh, yeah. um but people thought my mobility instructor was my dad too so yeah, yeah. I <laughs> so I think that um that was a big part of uh people asking who she was and why I would leave class for O&M and like why I would miss things that was a big part of it as well and um in my class because in elementary school we wouldn't switch classes we would just stay in the one class so my equipment was always there um, I had like a big cabinet that the teacher had like the lock, uh, the key for that I could only access like my braille paper, my brailler, uh, my large text, like the large notebooks that I had for, for print, um, all that was there. So a lot of the kids did have questions about what's going on. Like, who's this person? Like, what, why, why are you doing all this? Um, and I, I would usually address it at the beginning of class uh, if to individual people at that point again I didn't like to give the presentation so if anyone had a question um I would just tell them that this is my vision teacher this is Kendra uh who was at the time was a vision teacher and uh why I would leave for O&M what I was doing I would just be honest like I was um crossing the street and like learning how to cross the street without being able to see it everyone would like freak out and be like what you're doing what um and like try to I, I, that was my second year doing O&M, so I didn't understand fully that it was for independence sake, but um, I'm just like, I want to learn because you guys can do it and I want to do it too. So um, yeah, a lot of these questions did come because of just the people that were around me supporting me and the equipment that was around me supporting me. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. Unfortunately for me too, a lot of my disability is visual. <laughs> so like, whoa, what's that thing you're carrying? It's a stick. Like, why do you have it? Or um, why is your machine so loud? Now it's, um, you know, always about the, you know, it's because I have a dog. So that kind of introduces it, which I find actually easier because a dog is still a dog. So it's like more so, you know, oh, she's your mobility tool, but okay. Tell me more about her. What's she like? What's her name? Oh my gosh, she's so cute. Like there's more to it. So I really like it now than I did before. Well, that's really interesting. Cause it's kind of the same thing again. Like people see a cane, a white cane, and it's, it's specifically a tool because you're blind Mm -hmm. and, and just like they see only your blindness. Now there's a guide dog, but a dog is a dog is a dog. And they're seeing her personality and her cuteness in addition to the fact that she's a tool, right? Like it's like, that's really important to you that they see you as a whole the whole yes, picture, not just really is. Yeah. 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 So I guess if people did want, uh, you know, if they could see, so I'm thinking of teachers and you've got a blind student in your class 
and you can see that the student is not integrating with the other kids in the ways that you would hope, or maybe the other kids have a lot of questions. Maybe the best approach is to talk to that, the blind student, um, you know, would, do you want to do a presentation? Would you be comfortable if somebody else, maybe from Blind Beginnings came in to present to the class? Would you want to do a presentation with somebody from Blind Beginnings? Or if, you know, you're in a community that isn't British Columbia, <laughs> whoever the blindness organization is that does that sort of thing. Um, maybe that's the way to get around this. Cause I feel like maybe there would be, I, I remember in elementary school, an assembly where a blind couple came in and presented to the school. And I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know. I don't think I even knew that I was legally blind at that point. So maybe I would have felt differently if I had known, but it didn't have anything to do with me, but they were there talking about some of the equipment they used and some of the ways that they navigated the world. And I found it really interesting and so I don't know, like, I, I don't know if, you know, I, it was anonymous enough and disconnected from me en enough that it, I didn't make me feel like the focus was on me. So I don't know if that mm -hmm. makes a difference. No, I think, I think that's, that's fair. I think at least I'm trying to again, put myself into my younger self's shoes. I feel like, um, at least just, um, asking them, you know, mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to have these people come in. Would you like to be a part of the presentation? Would you like to meet them beforehand? Mm -hmm. Um, do you want to be connected in any way? Do you want them to talk about you or do you want to just, just be on the stage? You don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. if yes, we'll figure it out. We'll try and get it done. If no, that's okay. No, one's going to know that you met with them beforehand or you met with a principal or anything like that. Like it can just be between the people who are organizing it and the people who are coming. Um, but I think having the person involved at least somewhat, um, just to let them know, or not, not even say warn them, but just say, we're going to have someone talk about blindness in the school because we want to um, increase our awareness for the students mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the teachers and whoever. I just think um, it'll be, we want to do it. Do you want to be involved? No, that's okay. Yes. Um, please get involved and also you can also say if people are asking questions afterwards you're feeling uncomfortable um come talk to us is there something we can change for next time is there something that we can do because kids change their mind a lot <laughs> yeah. they may be actually i want to be involved next time oh my god like oh, yeah. this was amazing or this was awful never again you know like uh mm -hmm. I, I would hope it's the first one but <laughs> I just having them involved in some way privately first and then if they choose to do it publicly um, that might just be the best way because I think I would appreciate that, that yes. way myself yeah. a lot more. A lot more like a room for choice mm -hmm. because often when you have a disability, everyone usually chooses things for you. So to even have a choice just very, just gives you a lot of control that way mm -hmm. too, especially when like doctors and so many people are already talking about you and professionals are already talking about you. It really gives you a choice. And I think another thing too is that looking back at my younger self too, it has to be a two-way street. And what I mean by that is, so people could ask me questions, but when I started playing with pencils and scribbling on paper or like being like, what's a rainbow? Or what's a sunset? Why is that color like that? Why is like this? It'd be like, you're weird. Why don't you know that stuff? Mm. Uh, but nowadays I, I laugh with people all the time because I'll be like, 
oh, really? Like that font looks like that? And then they'll ask me a question because they're super interested. And I think it has to go both ways. If they want to know stuff about me, then I'm going to ask you questions about your sighted world. And I never got the opportunity ever to do that um, either in elementary school or in middle school. So, yeah, that's an interesting point. I imagine the, your feelings about it would really depend a lot on how you're treated after the presentation or how the presentation goes too, right? Like if, if it's well received by the other kids and everybody thinks it was really cool that this blind person came and presented and we learned so many interesting things and we got to ask questions, you might feel as the student like, oh, okay, that went well. But if everybody's Mm. like, well, that was really boring. And (laughs) why do we have to listen to that? Or I don't know. And that's like, for me, what kind of like was the issue? Like they, they would think it was cool, but they wouldn't think that it was cool in the sense of, yeah. Or like, or that, oh, blind people can like run and play. They're like, this is how she reads and writes. Or mm. can I try using the brailler? Like afterwards, like I got a lot more questions like that and yeah. a lot more engagement with me in the classroom, but outside of classroom socially, no, no. So I think that was the thing too. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it's just reminding me weirdly of when I first met my husband and all the questions. And I actually had said after the second date, like, we need to go do something physical. So you yeah. see that yeah. I am more than my blindness, that I can do stuff that, you know, we don't just have to sit in a restaurant and eat and talk. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think when you start to show people the other sides of you and the, the capabilities you have, it probably makes a big difference. I were to give a presentation kind of going off of my first experience of when I saw someone talking about their career and their accomplishments and their family and how multifaceted, like just how their life was going. Um, That's how I would want to present it and probably how I'd want to learn about it because um, it was a part of the presentation, um, but it was an aspect of it. It was like a lens, like a lens looking through their life through the lens of having a disability that's the best way I can describe it where yes it's a part of it and you're looking through that and you can understand that this is the perspective that they have but it's so much more than that it is their their career like I said their life their family their friends how they uh, move through education and how like where they are today so I think even if you're just like showing a video of you like rock climbing as a person who is um uh, blind or have a disability as a hobby. Like this is one of my hobbies and you're showing them through a video that this is one of the things I like to do. Um, and they can physically see that you're doing it, but also it opens up the discussion of how you do it as a blind person, but also, Hey, anyone else like rock climbing, we can talk about that. So like, I think not making it the whole presentation. Um, and I think people would have different ways to approach it, but I would certainly love to learn more about just their life. And kind of incorporates into their life and like everyday aspects. Wow. This is so good. I feel like I'm actually learning so much through this. And I I think that we will incorporate that in future presentations. Like tell us about you, right? Like, what do you like Mm -hmm. to do? How do you like to spend your time? What are your hobbies? What are your interests? And 
because that, that is how people are going to get the full scope of, yeah, it's not just how to use a white cane and how to read braille and what a guide dog does. And, you know, there's so much more that's, those are just tools really, that's not who we are. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Jenny, you started to talk about what you do now at university. I'm curious, both of you are in university. How do you tackle educating people now? I just want to say now I love doing these (laughs) presentations and stuff just because I can adapt it the way I want. Um, nowadays, um, I, like I mentioned before in the podcast, like projects within the school environment where everyone else is doing a project, that's a great way to do it for me, um, or extracurricular wise. So I started, um, you know, anyone can do this, not just the disabled person, but we have a newspaper. So I started a disability column and it's called Deconstructing Disability. So it focuses on all things disability and accessibility related within the post-secondary sector. Um, And that's one way I choose to do it. And I also get to bring in my writing because again, that's part of who I am and that's something I love. I just happen to be writing about disability Um, or like projects I'm doing with professors, like the one on farming. I just happen to be, Um, you know, sometimes talking about accessible farming. Um, And I think like doing it more in extracurricular ways helps me more than kind of feeling like, oh, this class on sociology, okay, I got to step in here and now make it about me for five minutes and then go to the class. Like the class is the class. Like I don't want to disrupt that. And that's just to say, don't pet my dog. Right. Yeah, I'd say very similar for me. uh, I think like the I do it, I would say in more through my work. Um, so if it's a paper or if it's um, a group presentation, um, like for one of my papers, it was a term paper and we get to talk about anything that we wanted to. So I talked about um, a little bit of a controversial topic in the sense of like, I think everyone's perspective was changed from my paper. It was how accessibility centers aren't accommodating. Uh, and challenging that perspective that everyone in the university had. And I I wanted to say no, because everyone has struggles with this. And I did a lot of personal research and then kind of talking to other students and like compiling a whole um, paper based on that and presenting it to my teacher who was very open the fact that he knew nothing about anything, but really wanted to learn more and was open to listen. And we had a peer review aspect of it. So I got to swap papers with uh, some of my peers and hearing their feedback on um, kind of what they learned. So that, like that, I've done it through in, in some of my papers, but I also did it in one of my group presentations in a class for an education class where we weren't talking about disability at all. It was about a certain kind of therapy, um, but the that therapy was very um, open-ended and didn't talk uh, straight away from the medical model a lot. So I took the opportunity to talk a bit about the medical model and how people in the disability community, um, how that impacts us, and alternatively talking a bit about the social model of disability. So um, it wasn't related, but my teacher really liked that I made with that and um, actually lectured a bit about that afterwards. Um, And I talked to her afterwards and she said, thank you for bringing this up because um, people with dis- like people just don't know that this exists. And um, we, t- we talked a bit about her um, experience as an Indigenous woman and 
going through the medical system and how it was impacted like that. So I've done it in more personal ways, but then when I get the chance to do it in projects and presentations and um, with groups or with anything like that, I take the opportunity. And like I said, like Jenny said, we don't want to take away from the actual class um, or people's times because you don't want to always shove it in people's faces. But (laughs) when it's appropriate and when it's done in a way that you're comfortable with and it's your decision and um, hopefully people will take something away from it and learn from it, but yeah, it's definitely in a different way, but I would say I enjoy it a lot more as well now. Yes. Yep. And do, do students follow up with you afterwards and ask you questions about your disability when, when you have kind of opened the door a little bit in those ways? For me, I would say it's funny. Um, so in terms of like cult, like my cult in, Ah, sorry, intercultural communications project that happened right when COVID hit. So no one was talking for a while. So unfortunately, nothing really uh, came of that one. Um, Honestly, I think it's, it's weird to say, but honestly, the students who talk to me the most are those who I'm in classes with, like, where I don't talk about my blindness as much. Like in my writing classes, that's where I have seen um the more students come up to me randomly and like more so casually sit down with me and chat about blindness and I don't know if maybe that's just less intimidating or maybe mm-hmm. they've seen me as like a like a student first or something uh, but I find like um within like classes where you're doing a project a lot of the times since it is a project right everyone's like has to listen anyway so it's a little bit more harder I would mm-hmm. say <laughs> yeah yeah, I think it's been a mix for me. I've had people come up to me just afterwards and ask questions and be done with it. But I've had people come to me two years after because we, and we're both doing the same program. We just had a class <laughs> and we, we met again this like semester and uh, just recently had someone come up to me and say, oh, I remember you from my second year course. And, um, you know, it, it was really cool to see your experiment that you did. And I'm like, I have no idea who this person is but yeah I think you also tend to uh, in university um it's a bit different than high school course there's a lot more people you may not remember everyone but I think when you naturally like you have uh, a cane or a dog with you you tend to stand out a bit more and my when I was presenting my experiment I had a lab assistant with me and I did stand with a small tutorial so I can understand how someone would stick in your mind like that so it was just it was a weird thing where I'm like oh okay cool um and they were asking me about my schooling how it's working how it's working with the center and everything and so it it, it's led it definitely has led to friendships in some case and follow-up questions and it's been a mix bit of both Mm -hmm. yeah I I mean it's interesting I've I've completely about faced on this and I loved giving presentations and educating people about blindness obviously there's this podcast. <laughs> we talk about it all the time. And I really do think that if more people understood it, life would be easier life, we would be more accepted. It just wouldn't be, you know, if we could demystify and take away the mystery. So I love doing presentations and I also feel like presenting to schools is one of the ways to kind of I don't know, prepare the future generation and teach them about disability because they are the future employers and 
you know, they're the, like, I don't know. I just feel like it will be better for everybody. The more people are, who are, the more that people are educated. So I think blind beginnings is going to continue to do presentations, but maybe we will be a little more thoughtful about what we present and who is included and, and just checking in, making sure that it's comfortable for anybody who is present, who is blind. I actually think um, if presentations aren't what people are ready for at the moment, I think using the podcast and the blog are a great way to be like an introduction introduction into exactly. it. Exactly. A lot of schools now are doing um, media like education off of media. So assigning an assignment based on the Limitless Podcast mm-hmm. and it's actually going to be one of my projects this semester and talking about um, it is going to be psychological disorders, but I can easily see uh, a teacher adopting this into their classroom and assigning um, to read the, the podcast, sorry, listen to the podcast, read the blog and have a discussion in class about it. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot less pressure on anyone if they're not ready to do a presentation, if they don't want to bring someone in. I, d- I still think that's a great idea, but it could be a really good first initial introduction into it um and I think that would have been really cool growing up getting to listen to it and then writing a write-up about it or talking about it in class like that would have been a really nice thing to do mm-hmm. yeah. I think as well like we I when I grew up as well never history never talked about history classes never talked about disabled people never talked about you know anything like that in um you know when we talked about the eye in science never talked about eye conditions like you can easily integrate this stuff within the learning so again that's your first step done right there right mm-hmm. yeah okay and it's just diverse learning as well so for sure yep. so i do want to make a little bit of a plug the first full week of february is white cane week and uh if there is somebody listening who would like a blindness presentation or a blind person to come and meet their class. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Uh, <laughs> we do have uh, speakers, presenters, uh, youth and young adults who are blind or partially sighted who are willing to do that in several different communi- communities around British Columbia. Uh, I've even done a virtual presentation to a school with a blind student during COVID. So something like that is also available. And um, we'd love to do another Ask Abby episode. So we've done a few over the, the lifespan of the podcast. Ask Abby is Ask a Blind Beginnings Youth. So if you have questions that things you're curious about, about blindness and visual impairment, you can email limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. And maybe the subject is Ask Abby and just send in your questions that we will keep them anonymous unless you want them to not be anonymous. And if we do get enough questions, we'll gather a group of youth together and record an Ask Abby episode, which we'd love to release the week of White Cane Week. So please send us in your questions. And I, you know, we've, we've been talking about, you know, maybe people not wanting to be the focus to be just their disability, but in a situation like an Ask Abby or an invited presentation, we are very happy to come and talk about our lives, how we do things and answer any of your questions. 
Thank you so much, Jenny and Ishita for sharing and educating me today. I learned a lot. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you. It was awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. It was great to have this discussion. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a rating, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.